This is my mom. She's a really good doctor. Hi, I'm Dr. Lex, but I'm also mom to Isabella, Lance, and Lucia. Our mom takes care of our family, our friends, and her patients. On this podcast, our mom is going to be talking to her doctor friends and teaching you how to keep your family safe and healthy. Okay, mom. Ready for the show? Let's do it. Welcome to Family Health with Dr. Lex. On today's episode, I am so excited to be interviewing Dr. Rebecca Lauderdale, who is a board-certified internist practicing primary care internal medicine in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Dr. Lauderdale is passionate about helping people learn the science and practices of flourishing. She can be heard regularly on her podcast, Women Physicians Flourish, where she talks about subjects ranging from grief and vulnerability to gender bias and joy in the practice of medicine. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome my friend, Dr. Rebecca Lauderdale, to the show as we discuss the science of living a flourishing life. You are going to love today's guest. Dr. Rebecca Lauderdale is an internal medicine doctor out of Hattiesburg, Mississippi, the deep South. She is sweet as pie. You're adorable. You're so brilliant and so passionate about your work in the science of flourishing. Now we have talked about thriving, overcoming stress, burnout. We've heard all the terms, all the vocabulary, all the words, but your spin on it is novel. It's exciting. And I think it's something that's really going to pique the audience's interest. So Dr. Rebecca Lauderdale, I'm so excited to meet you and have you and chat with you today. Oh, I'm so glad to be here, Dr. Lex. It is (laughs) my pleasure. So tell me first about first define flourishing, because we talk about survive to thrive. We talk about, you know, achieving self-actualization. We have all these words, but flourishing means something different. And we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about how to flourish, but first I want you to define for me what it means to flourish. Okay. That's an exciting question. Um, so, so there is, there has been a good bit of work in this area in the field of psychology and social science studying like, what does it mean for people to have high life satisfaction? And, um, and that really is sort of, um, that's a good, a good short definition is, is flourishing is, is someone living a life of high satisfaction. They're highly satisfied with their life. And, um, there is some also some question among psychologists who study this area about whether you also would include in a definition or measurement of flourishing, whether you would include um, a person's level of freedom. So in their society that you would so that that your flir- level of flourishing would be impacted by your freedom and your autonomy, um, but and also access to resources, Mm -hmm. but, but those things don't, don't currently enter into that formal, that formal definition um, that's measured when a psychologist talks about measuring human flourishing. Um, And that's just a whole fascinating story, how all that happens to begin with. Um, It's really a science that's, um, the people have been been questioning the meaning of life and what makes my life meaningful since we've been humans. Um, but this science of the psychology um, that's been um, that's been really honing in on this has been about 20 years, um, 20, 25 years. Um, so that in a nutshell is what what makes a person um, 
live to their fullest potential in their own eyes. It's not what someone else thinks you should be living to. It's it's what what gives people high satisfaction in their lives. And it's really interesting. There are a lot of similarities all across cultures and um, and ethnic groups. And it's not necessarily happiness. We're not necessarily talking about the sensation of joy or happiness. We're talking about what it means to live and be part of a meaningful life in your own mind. And you talk so much about being able to measure that, which I love. We're both scientists. You don't Mm -hmm. become a doctor without loving science. proof, evidence, things we can reliably reproduce and measure. And so I think it's really, really interesting. I would love to know how you kind of came into this study and into this work. Mm -hmm. Uh, As an internist, you basically take care of people's whole health. Um, Right. I'm a primary care doctor for adults. I don't, and so I don't how, see kids bravely like you do. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you become an internist in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and kind of shift gears to helping people learn how to live a meaningful life? It doesn't typically, it doesn't sound like something that a physician uh, segues into. Right. Which is a little, that's a little like kind of, that's a sad commentary on what (laughs) physicians in the United States have to focus on. Exactly. Um, We, we, we're so focused on pathology um, that, that are, and we don't have enough information about what helps us to flourish, Um, but we're getting, we're getting better at it. So for me, it was highly personal. Um, I had an experience about it, you know, really started probably five or six years in after I started practicing. Mm-hmm. Um, I started my career as a hospitalist. Some of your listeners may have may know what that means. It just means I was a doctor who was I only worked in the hospital. So I took care of adult patients in the hospital. And it's a really it's a it's a high stress, high stakes um, kind of position, but it's also for me was very attractive because it's also high reward. Um, you know, I loved the work, but I, because of a combination of the work factors, uh, things that, that cause burnout. So we, you know, there's that, there's a syndrome of burnout. Burnout's always occupational. Anybody in any occupation can get burned out, but it's factors that affect your autonomy. It's, overwork, just, just plain old doing too much and not being able to recover from it, um, not being able to have any control over it, um, and, and losing satisfaction just affects the whole way that you can think about your job and the people that you serve. And it ends up affecting your whole life. So that happened to me, um, kind of gradually happened over a period of a few years until it got to a pretty severe point. And, and for me, it wasn't, just burnout. It was also, it was also depression. It was mental illness. And, um, and a lot of that came from not occupation. Um, it may have been reinforced by my occupational culture. We know, you know, as physicians, we get taught to be, we're, we're very, um, we're very oriented toward anything that's wrong. You know, we, we have to keep this critical eye because when we're thinking about, you know, a a patient with an illness, 
you can't miss things. Um, you have to make sure that you're looking at every detail and if things are out of place, then you have to do what you can to fix them. Um, and we tend to turn that critical eye toward ourselves. And um, many of us have been doing that since we were children. <laughs> um, and, it, and our personalities just really fit along um, along with that. And so um, I had I had this very critical um, inner voice. These, you know, we all have inner critics. They're part of how we form our self-control and self-concept. So it's normal, but they can get really out of control. And, and so I had to address that not just the job situation. And so I, you know, I think a lot of times with burnout, we, there, there are two separate things going on. There's a, there's a self-valuation and then there's a, there's an occupational part that's the burnout, but then there are other issues for us to take care of. And so I spent, um, I spent a good year figuring out what was going on with me before I realized that 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 the occupation itself right then, that, that job that I was doing was not, just didn't fit me anymore. I didn't fit in it. There wasn't a way I could change it to make it right for me. And so that I needed to do something else. Um, so during that time, I spent a lot of time with a small group of friends. Um, and for your listeners, I want them to understand that this, this all applies to, to all of us. This is not just physicians. The friends that I did this with, none of them were physicians. None of them were even healthcare workers. Um, but I, I, I kind of grad, I, I drew this group of women together and said, just basically begged them. Like, I was like, I'm in this place. I don't really know what to do. I found some information. I found some things that are teaching me things about myself that I'm really going to have to change. And I need to do this with somebody else. And they were all in their own versions of the same thing. And so <laughs> we still meet together every Wednesday night. And oh. that was a seven years ago. Wow. Um, so, but that I found out about the science of flourishing through that because I was determined to figure out how to get out of that such miserable situation I was in and how to be happy, not just positive emotion, um, but how to feel deeply satisfied. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm sure that your listeners can identify with that. It's not just oh, do I feel like smiling right now? Um, yeah. Or do I feel giddy? It's do I feel a deep sense of uh, joy? Do I feel um, like, like I'm serving a purpose that's larger than myself? Yeah, that's a story that this audience has heard so many of our physician <laughs> colleagues tell. Mm -hmm. And I'm interviewing other physicians, but you're absolutely right. That burnout, that feeling of, um, lack of personal satisfaction in your work is especially, especially frustrating when it's something that you've worked so hard for. Yeah. A lot of the people who are listening are high achieving professional women who wear multiple hats. And, you know, when you get to that pinnacle and you're in the position that you are you work so hard to get to, and you feel empty and you feel like this is not what I thought it was going to be, or I feel like there's more, there's more for me, or there's more that I can give because of the systems that are set up to prohibit that prohibit us from doing things the way we want to, or the way that we believe that they should be done. Um, it all kind of leads to this, this, this frustration and clearly 
as we've heard many times, yourself included, myself included, that leads to this kind, this kind of term that we 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 call burnout. And burnout, I think, is either you know it can all it can either be the problem, the original problem, or it can be the result. You know, like you mm-hmm. mentioned, there's two components to it. Like burnout can start the problem that leads to d- mental illness, depression, um, you know, poor health, um, or it can be the result of those things. You can be depressed and anxious, and then that kind of spills over into the occupational side. So absolutely. I know that there are so many people who are listening, who resonate with kind of that concept, uh, you know, of just not feeling fulfilled, despite the fact that you have everything that you've worked for, you know, and a lot of people even look at your, the rest of your life. I have a relationship that's strong. I have Mm -hmm. children that I love. I have friends and on the outside, everything appears like you should be satisfied. So what am I complaining about? What's really wrong? Why don't I feel fulfilled? Why don't I feel that? mm -hmm. And that, that brings in the component of shame, which, which, which makes us sort of be quiet about it and and afraid to talk about it, which just makes everything worse. Right. (laughs) You know, when you know that people, people may not, may not sympathize so well with you um, when they think that, you know, you're a high earner, you have this great job, you've got kids in private school, you're married and happy, you know, that why, why would I ever complain? How can I complain about this when I've got everything that I ever asked for? Right. Yeah. And it takes away that, um, or it makes you second guess and doubt whether Absolutely. or not you deserve to feel what you feel or whether you should mm-hmm. be feeling what you're, or is it just my mind, you know, and you use the word inner critic. I actually spoke with, um, a woman named Dr. Uh, Priyanka, uh, Vanugopal on our inner critic mm-hmm. and how to heal our relationship with our inner critic and how yeah. strong and influenced she is and how long mm-hmm. she's been building in our bodies and how we've been conditioned to listen mm-hmm. to her. And so when we talk about all of these external influences in our lives, how do we start to become aware of the capacity to change the capacity um, that we have to move towards a life where we feel like we're flourishing? Where do you tell someone who is in the midst of, uh, you know, the, the, the deep, burnout, where do you tell them to start? So what, what ultimately worked for me, um, was hearing, hearing people talk about the same thing that I had gone through or something or similar. So just doing this right now, um, helps with validating, legitimizing, um, your experience and then your desire for something to change some, because it, because that, that shame we, you know, we just mentioned can keep us from feeling like we can talk about it, which keeps us from doing anything about it. Um, this happens and it's not because that there's something wrong with you. Um, it's not that you're like Kelly Casperson, the urologist, she's got a podcast and the title of it is you are not broken. I love her. Um, and, and that's, you know, so you are not broken. Um, that's the first thing and everything is fixable. Um, doesn't matter. I mean, I, (laughs) I have known people who seemed to be in devastating circumstances, um, because of burnout and mental illness who have gone on to thrive. And it, it takes a realization that you're worth the effort 
And, and that's really one of those messages that I think is, that's something I've talked about a lot in my own podcast is coming to realize and then put into practice the fact that you are worth the effort. You, um, you are, you're, you are just as worthy of living a flourishing life as anyone else is. Um, but the person who has to decide that that's true is you, it's not anybody else and then acting accordingly. Um, so one thing for me that has always helped is making sure that I have some time to get away and think a while. Um, and, and so if, if you're someone who is, is super, super busy and you are just like, that's one of the reasons you're burned out is you got, you're raising kids and you got a full-time job and is, is to do whatever you can to give yourself some breaks to think, to get straight about your priorities and to start thinking about boundaries, things that you can do, things that you can delegate to give yourself space. You need some space to think. Um, another thing that's really important is that group of friends. Um, it's really important to have a tribe and you don't have to be perfect to have a tribe. Um, and there's not a thing wrong with saying to someone, I would really like to be your friend. (laughs) It's, it's like elementary school. It's totally fine. Um, I didn't get a super great model of close adult friendships, and had to figure that out. Um, and, and for me, that was people that I, that I knew were safe, um, as best as I could tell and saying, okay, um, I'd really like for us to get to know each other better. Would you join me and these other folks? And can we talk about things that are really important in our lives? And, um, and it worked and it, it may not always work, you know, and that's okay. (laughs) You'll find your people, Um, but the, I cannot overemphasize the importance of having a tribe. Those people will be with you no matter what you're doing. Um, it's amazing. The feeling of having people at your back, um, with who have your back in your mind, um, when you're doing things that are difficult. Um, so that's really important. I imagine when you reached out and asked for some friends and you were, you know, kind of brave enough to. To, to offer that invitation that you got a feed, got feedback and got a response that was, you know, kind of like, Oh, I wish, I wish you had asked sooner, or, you know, I've been waiting for someone to at, invite me to mm-hmm. be their friend, you know, because we get stuck in this silo of being, you know, the, you know, the, the, the mom, the chauffeur, the professional, the wife, you know, and you kind of can live in isolation and you can kind of just roll through the motions of every day without having not only the space for social connectedness, but also like you mentioned, Mm -hmm. being connected to yourself, your own needs, your own wants, your own desires. And we take that on and feel like that's just how it's supposed to be. Like we're not supposed to thrive. We're not supposed to flourish. We're just supposed to do Mm -hmm. the shit we're told to do. Yeah. You know, and so everybody else is doing this stuff that I'm doing. So yeah. And everyone else doing it. Others are suffering yeah. too, and others are feeling the mm-hmm. same things that we are feeling. So, okay, so we've acknowledged that we want more. We've acknowledged that, okay, maybe our life looks perfect or great on the outside or satisfactory. It should be enough. We've acknowledged that we want more. We want to get more. We may want to give more. We've given ourselves some space to think about what we want 
and think about how we're going to go about that. And we've collected some friends who are going to help us on the journey. You've talked about research that um, has been done in the psychology fields that kind of give us some factors that we should evaluate or factors that, um, that, that achieve some level of priority that, that um, determine kind of how fulfilled we are, how meaningful our life is. Can you kind of go through um, the PERMA acronym and kind of the things that you uh, talk about in this field of psychology? Oh, that's my internet. The field of psychology that are things we should look at and, and that should weigh into mm-hmm. our level of satisfaction in our lives. Yeah. So, so there's a, a man, his name is Martin Seligman, Dr. Martin, Martin Seligman. He's a PhD psychologist, um, works out of the university of Pennsylvania. And he's sort of the, the father of positive psychology. And I used to think that positive psychology was corny, um, because I thought it was pop psychology. I thought that's what people meant, but the field of positive psychology is actually a rigorous, like scientific field. Um, and, and, and it, I have loved learning about it, uh, because of all the, all the wonderful things that we can learn about ourselves through it. And he was in this position where he had been studying, like learned helplessness in rats or something. It was something miserable. And he, (laughs) (laughs) he got elected to, he was president of the American psychological association in the early nineties. And he challenged the field to, to make an effort to, to change focus um, from, um, from studying pathology that wasn't necessarily leading to changing anyone's life, mm. to focusing on developing kind of a clinical vocabulary for positive things and for flourishing. And so this, it happened and there's lots of research that happened. And so some, some nuggets of, um, of what he learned and others learned during that, that first 10, 15 years of study. Um, he came up with a, this, um, this sort of framework, he calls it PERMA, P-E-R-M-A. And it stands for different parts of your life that contribute to life satisfaction. And, um, so P is positive emotion. So we talked about that, you know, that's just like feeling happy you know, feeling positive emotion. Um, and then E is engagement. And that is, that's things that things in your life that you love to do that you could kind of get lost in. So Mm -hmm. if you're an artist, it's your art, it's, you know, anything that you love, music, pottery, jigsaw puzzles. I mean, it can be anything, things that just really kind of light you up that you love to do. So you have some aspect of that in your life. R is relationships. It's the thing that has the biggest tie to your life satisfaction, the quality of your relationships. Um, and it's not relationship, one relationship. Um, I, and I know some of some some of your listeners may be able to identify with this, but I kind of grew up in a in a culture um, where like your spouse is kind of this like thing, this like this relationship is to fulfill all of your needs, you uh-huh. know, like, <laughs> and, and that's not possible. Um, you, you've got to have like all sorts of relationships. Um, and, um, so the quality of those relationships, and one of the biggest things there is that you share joy with people. Um, big, it has the biggest impact, um, on your life satisfaction. So then M is mastery, which is no, Emma's mastery, 
And that is um, becoming proficient um, at, at those things that you are engaged with. So there's, and then the A is achievement, which is, you know, kind of setting goals and attaining goals. Those are important to people across all cultures in all situations and people across the world. These, these things were true to that contributed to life satisfaction, but he, there are three different types of lives he calls it so there's the the um the pleasant life is the life that focuses on getting positive emotion and pleasure you know so so you can get some you can get some enjoyment out of that but there's not a lot that you can do about it strangely enough a lot of that capacity is heritable it's in you inherit it which is really weird to me but it's true um and then he talks about the um the engaged life, which is where you have, um, you, you pursue, you pursue your strengths, those things that you are engaged with. And so that, that's a a step up in life satisfaction. And then the one with the highest life satisfaction is someone who he calls the meaningful life. That is when you use those strengths that you have in, in service of something that's larger than you a purpose that's larger than you. And you, you figure that out. Somebody else doesn't give that to you. You figure out what this purpose is that you want to serve and you use your gifts and your strengths for it. So if, if any of your listeners um, that you guys may be interested, there's a free test. This is, this was developed through all of this research I've been mentioning. It's called VIA VIA. It's the VIA character strength survey. You can go online and search that and you can take this test. It'll take you about 10 minutes or so. And you get back a report with a list of things that are strengths for you and some ideas about how you can build those strengths. And out of all this research has also come the knowledge that when we pursue those strengths that we have, we are the happiest. It's not looking around and finding where we're deficient um, and trying to fix deficiencies. That doesn't mean we don't try to fix deficiencies. It means that we do that with our strengths. Um, And that makes us happier. It helps us reach our potential faster and better and makes us helps us live lives of high satisfaction. So they're all, I I just adore the focus on progress. I, I love how you mentioned that the research and the challenge back in the nineties, when Dr. Seligman became the president of the American psychological association to not just look at mental health and um, psychology in terms of what is wrong, but utilizing what is right to and capitalizing on what is right and what you're strong and what you're good at and what you're interested in and what you're passionate about to drive forward, not just to fix what's wrong, but right. also to, to elevate your life from something that's just pleasant, something that's just you've inherited and you're okay with, uh, you know, and, and elevating that up to something that, you know, now there's something that you're good at and you just do because you're good at it to something that means something to you, where you offer and receive mm-hmm. from others that you participate with others and that you inside of yourself, feel a tremendous amount of satisfaction, not just happiness, but satisfaction in your life. And I imagine that someone has measured how that correlates to health status. Mm, Yes. And there, there has, so 
people who are people who are more self-actualizing are more likely to um, they're more likely to see about their own health. They're more likely to to prioritize their own health um, because they see the importance of being healthy in the service of that mission that they have. Um, so there's that. Now I don't have I don't have detailed information on that or statistics, but that's a really interesting question yeah. um, because I mean, there's definitely a correlation. Sure. You can imagine that people who are, um, who are, who are achieving the meaningful life status have lower blood pressure and are probably, mm-hmm. you know, probably have better cardiovascular endurance and, and, and improved metabolism and improved insulin resistance and improved brain chemistry, meaning all of your happy hormones and your energy and your memory and your or um, ability to experience pleasure, all of those things are certainly higher. Um, and those are mm-hmm. kind of the things that we as sci- physician scientists, you know, measure on blood tests and, and, you know, how, right. how healthy are you? What's your blood pressure? How is your, your, you know, your blood glucose, how high is your stress mm-hmm. level? How are you sleeping? All of those things clearly correlate. So, um, and then of course, conversely, anyone who has a low level of life satisfaction or who doesn't have the means to self-actualize or fulfill their potential um, probably has, uh, you know, uh, more difficulty with, uh, achieving and maintaining, um, you know, a healthy, a healthy body weight, a healthy blood pressure, a healthy, um, sleep habits. They probably have difficulty mm. managing their stress yeah. and anxiety. So that kind of leads me into the next question, which is, how do you help a person who is really in the thick of it and feeling like, um, like they don't have the, they don't even have the means, like they don't have the time, uh, to, to assess, or they don't have the ability to get out of a job that they hate. Like, this is the job that I have and, you know, it's, they can't change it or they're in a situation, um, you know, with a, with a, uh, in a relationship or something that they feel like they don't have control over whether or not that changes. How do you start? You can say in your mind, I am worthy and I want to make these changes, but there are probably many people who feel very stuck and in, you know, oh, yeah. unable to move. How do you approach mm-hmm. those people? So I um, first think, I, I think that almost any situation um, can be, can be changed. Um, and I recognize that I say that from the perspective of a white woman with money. Um, and so I, you know, like within a privileged, you know, in a, a privileged profession. And so, um, but I have, I have experience with lots and lots and lots of different kinds of people. Mm-hmm. And I, and so I know that, um, People really start to change and see opportunity once they start to peel those layers off the ones of the, you know, the layers that have told you that you don't deserve to thrive. You don't deserve to be, um, to flourish. You know, you're, you're just going to have to live this life that's been handed to you and you should just be grateful for it. Um, that doesn't all happen at once. Um, it is a, it is something that, that develops possibly over years. Um, so if there's a possibility, if there are any resources for having therapy, for having a therapist, a counselor, uh, I strongly recommend that, um, 
because they are trained to help you to begin to see the opportunities, to begin to see the ways that you can treat yourself better. Um, and, and that is, there's, there's not a, a, a money, like there's not a value I could put on that. Uh, there's that's, that's too big. Um, but I realized that that can be expensive depending on what sort of situation that you're in. And so in those situations, I would say to, you know, find, find people who, um, who seem to have overcome um, and whether those are people that you can read about or watch or listen to, uh, it's really great to find them in your life and start to ask them, ask them, if, you know, spend some time together. Um, I, I really think that, that in any situation that I, I'll say this, I felt stuck. I felt stuck to the point that I started to think about how I could wreck my van and die and nobody would know that I did it on purpose. Mm. And I found a way out of that. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was by, by realizing that I was worth going through something difficult. I was worth troubling someone. Um, It was worth upending some expectations of me yeah. um, in order to have happiness. And, and that's true for all of us. You're worth upending some expectations of you that maybe your family has, that maybe mm-hmm. people in your profession have. It's worth it. You're worth, you're worth upending those things and ruffling feathers and whatever. It's not the end of the world if somebody gets mad at you. Yeah. Um, almost always people are uncomfortable when you start acting differently. Um, you know, we all act to keep things the same and you do something different. Other people will act in a way to keep you, to put you back to doing what you were doing before. That's just normal human psychology. Um, so you have to, it takes some effort and you need those backups. You need, you know, if, if possible, a therapist, um, or just a, a, group of friends who you ask help from, like you have to say it out loud. You have to say, I need your help. I'm going through this stuff and I really need a tribe. Um, and you'll be amazed at, at, um, the people who will say yes to that. I'm so sorry that you've, that you had those feelings and that you, you know, as a successful woman who apparently should be happy with your life, that even that, you know, even someone like you can feel that low and that unfulfilled that you would have those thoughts. I'm so sorry that you felt that way. And I'm so happy in the same hand that you um, had enough self-love or enough, enough awareness to identify that you wanted to change and that you could change. And that's why I love these conversations so much. And I love Mm -hmm. things like books and podcasts because they are, there are a tremendous amount of free resources out there where you Mm -hmm. can learn and become empowered. I mean, when they say knowledge is power, it really truly is because like you said, There are so many people who have gone through exactly what you're going through before you and have recovered and they're willing to teach you and they're willing to share their stories with you. And they're willing to show you how thankfully, you know, with the internet, we have free podcasts like yours that we can listen to and learn strategies and techniques and feel empowered. You know, there are books that you can take out of the library. I mean, 
therapy is great, but yeah, most insurances don't cover it. And it can be expensive. Yeah. Yeah. You know, many people can't afford to, to get a personal life coach, you know, but there are free resources out there. Um, relationships being one of them relationships that lift mm-hmm. you up and make you feel validated. Um, that's a, that's a tool. That's a, that's a self-help tool right there. Like you emphasize mm-hmm. so beautifully. So I just really appreciate you sharing your story and sharing kind of the basics of what's needed to even go there to even just start Mm -hmm. to identify the discomfort that you're feeling and start to believe that you're worth investigating and you're worth going through maybe the painful process of changing. Mm -hmm. So before we go, I would love for you to tell my friends where they can find more about your approach, your resources, how they can work with you. And, um, and then that way they can reach out to you afterwards. All right. So I have a website. It's, um, www.rebeccalauderdalemd.com. Rebecca with two C's and Lauderdale, like, like the fort. Um, I'm on Instagram too. I'm Dr. Lauderdale, Dr. Dot Lauderdale. Um, so I'm pretty active on there and I always get messages and things on there, but I have the podcast called women physicians flourish where I've talked about this journey and I've got some great interviews and I'm just kind of starting up season two at the time that we're recording now. So got some good stuff coming. Um, I have also, a, I've got a short, I hesitate to even call it a book. I think it's like 40 pages long, but it, I wrote it about all the things that I read while I was going through all this, the things that really helped make shifts for me. And um, it's free. If you go to my website, you can look on there. It's the book and you can just enter your email and you'll get a copy of it. So, so it's like 12 different books and then some extras of all the just things that are, that you might not know about um, that are really great resources when you're going through burnout and, and just difficult time. I love the perspective and the the approach that you utilize. It's so different from all of the standard kind of approaches to self-care and self-love and addressing and overcoming burnout. And I really do appreciate your willingness to not only share your story, but to share your free resources with the people who, who are listening and who really need it. And I hope that my friends who are listening will go to Dr. Lauderdale's website and will download all of her awesomeness and will follow her so that you can continue to learn from her. I know I will be. And I hope that this is not the first and only time that we meet. I would love to chat some more in the near future. Thank you so much for what you do and who you are. Uh, You're just a gem and such a gift to our community. I really appreciate you. Oh, thank you so much. Now I've got to make that trip to Chapel Hill. For sure, girl. Let's do it. (laughs) Thanks. Good night. Mm -hmm. Hey, thanks for listening to my podcast, Family Health with Dr. Lex. If you love the music like I do, you can find more at therealmichaelvm.com forward slash music. If you'd like to support the show, please leave a review, subscribe, and share with your friends. You can ask questions, suggest topics for future podcast interviews, and find more health and wellness information on my website, drlexlifestylemedicine.com. See you next time. Oh, oh, oh.